Don't be scared. Hello, and welcome to episode 83 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything falling down behind my desk, but more importantly, going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for returning. And if you're new around here, let me introduce myself. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. You can, of course, uh, follow me and reach out to me, especially over on Twitter. You can DM me, you can tweet at me, whatever you've got over there. Bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, whatever you've got for the show. Uh, As it relates to Overwatch, Overwatch 2, Overwatch 2 betas, uh, the world of Overwatch at at large, uh, Blizzard, or just video games in general. I like to talk about video games, so I'm more than happy to bring that to the show. Um, as well, if you enjoy this podcast, you can, of course, catch it on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And, of course, if you leave a review, I will read it out on the show. If you can't get enough of my voice, then check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast as well, available on podcast services everywhere. I am, of course, the third chair on Ready, Set, Pwn, where we talk about everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. Now, this week's episode is a bit of a meaty one. We've got, of course, four days of the Overwatch League uh, of Overwatch League action to cover uh, with the start of the Summer Showdown uh, tournament cycle. That is what it's called, right? Yes, I just looked it up. Uh, we've also, of course, got uh, a few big, shocking twists and turns with a few different teams as well to talk about. Um, so lots of movement in the Overwatch League right now, uh, lots of uh, big matches this past weekend, lots of exciting results, lots of shockers and surprising twists and turns. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Witness me. All right. So our first story, we're going to actually rewind a little bit here. We're going to jump back to last week before the Overwatch League action, before a few things started popping off and a few big announcements actually dropped today, of course, August 15th as of recording. Uh, So we're going to rewind back to August 10th, the day our last episode posted. But of course, I did not have the news for that day. Uh, Oh, and oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed this. Uh, before I even get to that, we're actually going to throw a required reading. That's right. We have one of those recurring segments on the show that come and go as, uh, as I find interesting things to talk about. Um, so we're going to throw in a required reading here. Um, so I'll jump on over to Gigi Recon with an article by Yiska, which is titled Owl Budget Tier List, August 2022. So I'll read you a small excerpt of this list, and then... I would highly encourage you to go check out this article, read through all the details, read through the breakdowns, uh, because there's some great context behind this, and and I'll break down a little bit of that as well. But let me read you the start here. So it starts, as a fan in the OWL, oh, sorry, as a fan in the Overwatch League OWL, team budget transparency is hard to come by. While the league used to put out an average and median salary in its annual player contract status article, it ceased to do so in its last update, and our most recent official status goes back to Season 3. We are, of course, on Season 5 now. Moreover, it never indicated which teams were spending the most or the least, making it impossible for fans to discuss which organizations were willing to spend for the team's success or who were using their budget effectively. In an effort to close this gap, we asked 12 experts with inside information on OWL budgets and the transfer market to submit their best guesstimations on the player salary and buyout budget for each team in the North American region. We aggregated these submissions into one OWL budget tier list. 
So I'll break down the tier list uh, very quickly here. But again, go check out this article. Um, especially, I mean, if you're a visual person like me, you'll you'll want to see the tier list because it'll make a lot more sense that way. But then what Yiska actually does after he uh, after the image is he goes through each of these tiers and kind of breaks down an estimated US dollar amount that these teams are spending. Um, it's, it's usually a range. And he kind of goes into... Um, you know, these uh, these players or the rosters generally have a considerable buyout. The highest valued players on them are usually making around this much to this much. Um, there are a few outliers, but experts have highlighted, uh, you know, um, certain players or certain teams may be uh, kind of inflating this group or things like that. And then they also talk about, um, you know, there there is a range where it's a lot harder to guess. Um, I believe he categorizes that as sort of the C tier. Um, the estimations could be inaccurate, but uh, there's there's they kind of expect this is where it is. Um, but these organizations are you know known to be a little more, uh, if not tight lipped, um, just a little less public about this information. And then he actually has a breakdown as well, to, sort of towards the end of the article that shows more of a graphical representation of where these different experts actually place these teams on a scale. Um, so you can kind of see the the general curve of how things how things rounded out. So Anyways, the tier list breaks down like this. In the S tier, of course, the top tier, we have the Los Angeles Gladiators, the Toronto Defiant, the San Francisco Shock, and the Dallas Fuel. In the A tier, we have the Atlanta Reign and the Houston Outlaws. The B tier sees the Washington Justice. The C tier sees the New York Excelsior, the Boston Uprising, and the Vancouver Titans. The D tier sees the Florida Mayhem and the London Spitfire. And the E tier sees the Paris Eternal. So a lot of interesting stuff to extrapolate from there. Again, go check out this article. I'll have it in the description of the episode so you can actually see this read through it all. But overall, I mean, I think a lot of this kind of makes sense. Um, and what's probably the most impressive is if you look at something like the D tier, where that is our second lowest tier, we see the Florida Mayhem and the London Spitfire. And if I were to pull up the standings right now uh, for the entire regular season, we actually see the London Spitfire sitting in 10th position and the Florida Mayhem sitting in 8th position. So those are those teams are, for all intents and purposes, doing extremely well if these uh, this tier list uh, sort of their their spending is to be believed. Which, for all for all I can see, I mean, it does seem pretty accurate. Accurate. We know that a team like Florida, a team like London, um, and a team like Paris, for that matter were not spending a ton this season and they were kind of making making do with a, what they had in a lot of ways um building these rosters that were you know budget or close to budget teams um you know uh paris being the one that i mean stands out as extremely budget but paris performing about what you would expect on that salary whereas florida and london performing much higher than uh, than maybe the tier list would indicate they should so Anyways, I digress. Go check out this article. It's a really good one. Um, I really, really found this interesting. Uh, like I say, they do break down some of the uh, the salary ranges that we're seeing on some of these uh, and things like that. Now, the one thing to note is a lot of this was also published before certain changes and announcements had been made. Um, so I won't bother to go into that too much. Uh, if you're interested in hearing about that, actually go check out the episode of Tactical Crouch where Yiska actually talks about his article and they, uh, they kind of outline some of this in even greater detail than uh, than this uh, article does. So I digress, that's required reading. Without further ado, now 
we can move on to the news. So, our first article is going to take us over to gamingbible.co.uk with an article by Imogen Donovan posted on August 10th, which reads, Blizzard will stop selling loot boxes in-game this month. Overwatch players must move quickly to mop up the rest of their coveted skins and cosmetics in the hero shooter, as Blizzard has announced loot boxes will be pulled from sale soon. Of course, Overwatch itself will be unplayable from the start of October. If players have any unopened loot boxes on their Overwatch account, they will be automatically opened and their contents automatically added to the player's collection. Any unspent currencies, including credits, owl tokens, and competitive points, will also transfer over once the sequel is live. There's a whole hullabaloo whether or not Overwatch 2 is even necessary, given the devoted fan base for the original game, and the seemingly minimal changes that Blizzard is bringing to the new game. Was the font swap that important, truly? We could talk about this till the cows come home, however. It doesn't change the fact that Overwatch 2 is inbound. After uh, six great years of payload pushing and high-intensity brawls around the world, the fight for the future is just beginning. Now as we prepare to enter a new era of epic competition, it's time for one last hurrah. Read the patch notes for the Anniversary Remix Volume 3 event. The crucial thing to note is that loot boxes will no longer be purchasable after... 30 August, but standard loot boxes will be earnable after Anniversary Remix Volume 3 wraps up. The Anniversary loot boxes contain cosmetics from past anniversary and seasonal events, as well as the latest celebratory items, so if you had your eye on an Oasis Symmetra or Sherlock Cassidy, this is your last chance. So there you go. Uh, that is a little a little tidbit of information. Um, you know, sort of a uh, I don't know, nothing nothing too unexpected if you ask me. I mean, we knew that Blizzard was shifting away from loot boxes when it comes to Overwatch 2. Um, the fact that they're going to stop selling them altogether is is perhaps a little shocking because you have to imagine that a ton of the, the uh, income they saw coming from Overwatch over the years was coming from that. We know they're going to be moving to a new currency, so that probably plays a part in it. They just didn't want to have to worry about the old currency to the extent that they would have to if the old loot box system uh, was, you know, was still in place on all the digital storefronts and everything like that. Um, so I'm not too surprised by this, but at the same time, um, I mean, you know, not but on top of that with the previous game ceasing to exist so overwatch one will literally stop working um because overwatch 2 is going to be free to play anyways so there will be no barrier to entry for that game um it's you know it it really shouldn't come to a surprise uh come as a surprise to most people but i think uh overall i mean the reception i've heard about this has been a little bit shocking people have been a little surprised like i say for me uh, personally, nothing too shocking. I can also say that I never once spent uh, spent a dime on loot boxes, uh, a dime of real money, obviously, you know, purely earning things in-game and that kind of thing. So I digress. There you have it. Get in, get your loot boxes. If you pay for them, then you got one last chance to do so before uh, October 4th. And by one last chance, I mean a month and a half still, but I digress. Our next article is going to take us on over to daddysports.com again, August 10th, with an article that uh, was posted by Sage Datwin, uh, which actually is sort of part one to another article that we'll come up to in just a few minutes here. So this article reads, NY Excelsior parts ways with Myungbong. New York Excelsior has revealed that they have parted ways with Myungbong as poor performance continues to plague the team in the Overwatch League. 
NYXL has struggled to find any traction in 2022 and is currently in 11th place in the West with a 1-11 record. Now, after a year of underwhelming performances and matches, NYXL has announced that Myungbong has been released after an 8-month tenure as the starting support for the team. Today, we say goodbye to Myungbong. We want to thank Myungbong for his dedication and hard work over the past year on the team, and we wish him success in all his future endeavors. Uh, they then have that quoted a second time in the article for some reason. Myungbong will be replaced by former Talon Esports support Ansun Jae, who makes a return to the Overwatch League following his departure from Toronto Defiant in October 2021. He will join the team as the new starting support for the NYXL moving forward, as they will look to turn their season around and aim for an upset over the Houston Outlaws, who are currently fourth in the West with a 9-3 record. That battle will take place tomorrow after the London Spitfire and Florida Mayhem match, as the Overwatch League enters its halfway point. Only time will tell how these teams shape up moving forward. For more articles like this, make sure to check out our Overwatch section to stay up to date on the Overwatch League. So there you go. Uh, sorry, my mouth is a little uh, feeling a little dry today, and you know I should I should go get some water. I might go get some water partway through here, but I digress. Uh, an interesting uh, interesting article here. Obviously highlighting Myungbong is out and Sunjay is in. Um, not incredibly surprising given, given where we see the New York Excelsior sitting in the standings currently and how they've performed over this past season. However, what was interesting was the news that broke uh, pretty quickly after this. So I'm actually going to jump one of my articles and follow this up with the part two to the Myungbong story. So this was another article posted on August 10th, looks like about four hours after that first one, this time by Liz Richardson, and the article reads, New York Excelsior confirms Myungbong was not made aware of his release before Twitter announcement. The New York Excelsior acquired a new support in Ansun Jae earlier today and announced the drop of its previous support, Myungbong, soon after. For all intents and purposes, it was a routine set of announcements for an Overwatch League team. But Myungbong found out about this change the same way the rest of the world did, through a Twitter post. The Excelsior has deleted the initial tweet about, about Myungbong's release, which can be seen in a screen grab below that thanks him for his dedication and hard work with the team. Almost immediately after, Myungbong commented question marks in the replies of the original announcement. He also quoted the announcement and commented a final question mark on his Twitter page. Many Overwatch League fans noticed this behavior and chimed in, hoping it was some kind of a joke or set up by the team for another announcement. Several hours of silence followed before the Excelsior account deleted the initial tweet. Dot Esports reached out to the New York Excelsior for comment regarding Myungbong's release in the interim. At the time of writing, the team did not offer an official comment or explanation. Over three hours after the initial tweet, the New York Excelsior released a statement confirming that Myungbong was indeed informed of his drop through a Twitter post. They then have the... Uh, tweet embedded in the article here and it reads today we posted an announcement thanking Myungbong for his time with us however we failed to properly communicate with the team before this announcement was made we take full responsibility and there are no excuses to Myungbong we are deeply sorry for our miscommunication and putting you through this situation although we wish this was communicated better we truly appreciate your time with us and wholeheartedly want the best for you in your future endeavors to our fans this was a mistake we will not be repeating we've immediately changed our communication processes moving forward. Myungbong had been with the team for the entirety of the 2022 season and was a consistent starter during this season's two tournament cycles. The Excelsior are heading into the summer showdown cycle with a 1-11 overall record. So there you have it. Uh, pretty big screw up on the part of the New York Excelsior. 
Um, certainly not how any player, any staff member, anyone wants to find out they're no longer on the team um, and obviously should leave a pretty sour taste in Myung Bong's mouth. But overall, I mean, the takeaway is hopefully the New York Excelsior have learned from this. I heard there was a pretty, uh, shortly after this, um, there was a bit of a mess up as well where they, they placed it a highlight or they posted a highlight clip after their game, um, which actually also featured Myungbong. Uh, so, you know, hopefully uh, somebody's getting slapped on the wrist and they're changing things over there. Um, but overall, let's wish Myungbong all the best, and hopefully he can land on his feet or find something else uh, that, that lights his fire uh, around the scene, outside of the scene, whatever he wants to do. Moving on from there, we're going to stick with Liz Richardson on DottieSports.com. And again, August 10th, this time with an article which reads, Houston Outlaws ads support LEP and Tank. Now, I want to say this is Doge. It's D-O-G-E. Maybe it's Dodge. Let's go Dodge. It's never too late to fill out a roster. That's what the Houston Outlaws are proving with two signings announced just before the Overwatch League's Summer Showdown Tournament qualifiers kickoff. Main Tank, Doge. Doge? What did I decide it was? Doge, dodge. Let's go dodge. And main support Lep will be joining the Outlaws for the remainder of the season, the team announced today. Houston also confirmed it will be playing with an eight-player roster for the rest of the season, debunking reports that the team was looking to sell or trade several of its players. Tank Doge is likely a familiar name for the Overwatch Contenders fans, considering he's been a part of both the European and North American circuits since 2019. He's played for teams like Shoes Money Crew EU and Raspberry Racers. More recently, he was a part of O1 Esports out of Saudi Arabia. With significant experience on tanks like Reinhardt, Winston, and Wrecking Ball, he'll likely be taking on part-time tank duties on certain maps, relieving off-tank Piggy and DPS Dante, uh, the team's Doomfist specialist, from main tank mayhem. Lep has a similar story, making his way through numerous teams and contenders seen like Revival and Karusono. Karasuno. He most recently played for Pirates in Pajamas and was a part of Northwood University's Overwatch team, which participates in the collegiate circuit. Houston has been able to get by thanks to flexibility from its two supports, Iris and Lastro, who have expanded their hero pools to take on main support duties. Now, Lep will be able to sub in on heroes like Mercy or Lucio. The Outlaws will face the New York Excelsior at 3.30 p.m. CT on August 11th to kick off their summer showdown journey. So again, as I mentioned, it is, you know, it is summer summer showdown or, you know, post-mid-season madness uh, roster mania right now. Lots of changes, all sorts of things coming through, um, all sorts of exciting moves. Obviously, New York, New York making changes, uh, the Houston Outlaws making changes, and then, of course, so this is our last article from August 10th, now... Or, or shortly after that, we had our weekend of matches running the 11th through the 14th, and even more changes coming after that. So, tons and tons of changes happening, um, and, and just lots of announcements across the board. And now, to further add fuel to the roster mania fire, of course, I'm also actually going to pull in an, an article here that I actually didn't see on .esports.com, uh, but comes from GameReactor.eu, uh, and this time reads, Houston Outlaws have, well, has released Piggy. The tank player and the franchise are going separate ways. This was posted on 
August 15th, so that was today, by Ben Lyons. And this one reads, The Houston Outlaws Overwatch League team has made the decision to release one of its tank players. Announced yesterday before the final slate of matches for the week kicked off, the team revealed that Piggy would be leaving the franchise. Once an outlaw, always an outlaw. Today, we mutually agreed to part ways with at Piggy underscore underscore OW. Piggy has been a stalwart line of defense for us during our, uh, his time here, and we can't wait to cheer him on wherever he goes. Thank you, Piggy. This comes shortly after the Outlaws signed Lep and Dodge, with the latter coming in as tank player. There has not been any mention as to what Piggy will do next or where he will go. So I wanted to throw that one in there because, again, first we see New York making a change, uh, releasing Myung Bong, and, of course, then signing An Soon Jae. Now, technically speaking, they announced, I believe, the signing of An Soon Jae before they released uh, Myung Bong, which kind of makes sense. Houston... Uh, of course, similar kind of thing. They announced the signing of Lep and Doge, Doge, Dodge, whatever. And then they announced the departure of Piggy. So more surprising on the Houston side of things, given uh, Houston has actually had, uh, I would say, a pretty good season thus far and some significant success. In the 2022 regular season standings, Houston is actually sitting fourth with 12 points on the season. They're doing very well. They have a record of 10 and 4. Um, of course, then the weekend's matches happened, um, and if we actually jump over to the Summer Showdown qualifiers, Houston sitting in seventh currently. They got one win this past weekend. They had one loss, uh, although it was a pretty shocking loss, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Anyways, a little bit surprising to see Piggy leaving. I think his hero pool was fairly limited, and it seems an awful lot like we just weren't seeing much return on him. Um given that, I mean, in past seasons or the season previous, uh, I think Sigma was really his kind of specialty. And although we've seen a little bit of Sigma in the Summer Showdown, or sorry, the Midseason Madness and the Kickoff Clash, I don't think it was um, maybe a necessary uh, or a necessity for a team to have success. Yes, there were certain maps, certain situations where Sigma was played pretty heavily. Um, you know, Monte Cristo comes to mind, that sort of uh, initial roundabout around the shop there, just uh, before you you go up that hill um that was usually a, a map where we saw a lot of sigma play but overall i don't think it uh, necessarily warranted having someone who that was sort of their their um, main strength if you will so will be interesting to see what lep and and dodge doge doji doggy whatever his name is can bring to the team um and how the houston outlaws really play around him now i should also mention i actually didn't have a chance to catch most of the games this past weekend um so i'm not even sure if lep and and doge played uh on the on on the houston for the houston outlaws this past weekend or not um but uh i digress I'm, I'm sure i will catch games the upcoming weekend so let's move on from there this time we're now in the current week we're now on august 15th that was actually today as of recording and we had some bombs today so let's start things off with this article again we're going to jump back to liz richardson at dottiesports.com posted on august 15th this one reads paris eternal drops four players signs overwatch contenders staples and the article reads it's apparently never too late to say au revoir to and revamp a team in the middle of an overwatch league season the paris eternal announced today that it has parted ways with four of its players less than 24 hours after the first weekend of summer showdown qualifier matches concluded in their place, the Eternal has signed multiple players from North American Overwatch Contenders Team Odyssey. Most of the team's core was dropped early on August 15th, according to an announcement by the Eternal. 
Tanks Don and Vestola, as well as support players Dreedro and Khan, were all let go by Paris. Only North American DPS duo Wub and Dove remained on the roster after the initial drop. Quote, the team decided to go a different direction, Tank Don said on Twitter. The future Las Vegas Eternal is apparently leaning into its 2023 branding, considering that direction is now anchored by some of the most familiar faces in North American Overwatch contenders. To revamp its roster, the Paris Eternal looked to Odyssey, a North American contenders team that just won the region's latest tournament cycle. Supports Lucmino, Rack Attack, as well as DPS, uh, Malthal, will be joining from Odyssey. Krawi, most recently playing for Wisp, will be taking on tank duty for the team. Though the change seems drastic, it's not as if things can go much worse for the Paris Eternal. The team will be heading into the next weekend of qualification matches with a 1-13 season record. And that's the end of the article there. So, uh, to bring it all into perspective here, Paris having a relatively abysmal season after having some surprising success this past season. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I have an, a previous episode of One Man Watchpoint where I kind of convinced myself that I had become a Paris fan because uh, they were having a bit of an underdog story. Now, they obviously didn't finish the season in super high spirits. Um, they, they finished things off with a pretty abysmal final tournament cycle. But prior to that, we had seen some glimpses of hope, some, some glimmers of, of greatness in them. And when this uh, season five, the current season, rolled around, it was not surprising to see that they were sticking with the core of what they had. Um, then, of course, they announced, you know, or they brought in, um, forget who they had. I think they had Glister, perhaps. And Glister, uh, shortly after, I think the um, kickoff clash, shortly after announced he was leaving. They brought in Wub, and then they eventually brought in Dove as well. The two of them seem to be uh, giving the team a little bit of a boost, but at the same time, obviously nothing drastic as their record really, truly didn't seem to improve that much. Their play kind of did seem to stagnate, and they really were struggling to uh, to get a win on the season. And not be one of these bottom teams like the Vancouver Titans. But we'll talk about the Vancouver Titans a little bit later in the show. Now, obviously, uh, it was shocking this morning to see uh, so late in the season that all of a sudden they're dropping the the majority of the roster, right? They dropped four players all in one go. And of course, naturally, the inclination when you see something like that is, okay, uh, an- another announcement is imminent, right? They're obviously bringing in some other players. So it was not surprising to see the announcement of the new players shortly after this. What is a little bit surprising, uh, or I guess it's not surprising when you have all the context, uh, knowing they dropped these four players who were um, primarily European-based, um, and they're bringing in a uh, North American roster, knowing that the Paris Eternal are becoming the Las Vegas Eternal next season, it does make sense. They are obviously setting things up for the next upcoming season. So overall, all the best to Vestola, Dredro, Khan, and Dawn. Hopefully they can uh, land on their feet uh, in the Overwatch scene or outside of it if they so choose. Um, and very interesting to see what happens to the Paris Eternal from here. But... The roster mania is not over yet as we stick with .esports.com and this time we head on over to an article by Jessica Sharnagel. Again, August 15th, today was roster mania with an article that reads, Mag leaves Washington Justice, finds new home with Boston Uprising. 
After reports that the Washington Justice were trying to sell its players after a loss of trust in the Overwatch League, the Justice has transferred the rights to Mag to the Boston Uprising. Mag is the first player who has seemingly been offloaded from the Justice since both teams have announced that he's departed the Justice and will go forward with his career with the Uprising. The Boston-based team tweeted a welcoming message to Mag earlier today. Quote, It is with great excitement that we welcome Mag to the Boston Uprising. Uh mineral the uprising gm said seizing the opportunity to add a young talented and motivated individual such as mag to our roster is emblematic of a renewed commitment to putting a product on the field that our fans can be proud of today and for years to come mag started his professional career with the justice after the 2020 season when he was brought on during the offseason he played main tank in the 2021 season and was kept on after the 2022 seasons changed to overwatch 2 now mag will serve as the third tank on the uprisings roster Punk and Itzel are the other two tanks on the roster currently. In his debut season, Mag was in the discussion for Rookie of the Year for his part in the Justice's recent season and impressive postseason run. Although the Justice were outsted by the Dallas Fuel in the 2021 playoffs, the team made a last-minute dash to the bracket uh, during the play-in stage of the playoffs, defeating the Houston Outlaws 3-2. They ended the 2021 season in 6th place, right in the middle of the West's, West region's rankings. Currently, the Uprising are 5-9 and nine for the 2022 season and haven't made a tournament playoff yet, so Uprising fans are hoping that this new addition will help their team advance to the Summer Showdown Tournament next month. So there you have it. Uh, exciting news for, of course, the uh, Boston Uprising. Um, and I mean, interesting news to say the least when it comes to the Washington Justice. Uh, what's really, really going to be interesting is to see what happens to the Washington Justice from here. Um, as the article actually linked to there, there have been rumors swirling that the Washington Justice is looking to sort of offload their entire roster, um, which is is really kind of surprising. Um, obviously, Meg was kind of in, in a lot of ways a, a pretty core piece to them, it would seem. Um, so currently they... or. Previously, they had Mag and Kalios on the tank roll, Happy on on uh, Hitscan DPS, Decay and Assassin on Flex, Opener on main support, and then Krillin and Vigilante on Flex support. So now they only have Kalios on the tank roll. Um, meanwhile, the flip side of that is Boston having three tanks. They are currently the only team that has three tanks. We did have a few towards the beginning of the season that actually had that many, um, but no longer. So... Very interesting stuff there. Uh, also interesting to see what exactly Boston is cooking up, uh, given their recent success uh, over this past weekend's matches. So I digress. That's it for roster mania for now. Um, as I mentioned there, we've got our mid-season roster mania going on uh, with just changes coming, coming and going very quickly. And of course, a part of that does tie into the fact that I believe the August 18th, which would be this coming Thursday. Um, if you're listening to this on the day it posts, then tomorrow, I believe is actually the trade deadline. So after that, you cannot make any more moves on the season, um, which is probably a part of why we're seeing these things happen so quickly. And which, I mean, if we see more moves in the next couple days, that's probably also why we're seeing those moves happen um, all this week. I think the most surprising part, though, is that we're seeing this many and, and these... Uh, this quantity um of moves because really and truly i don't think anyone would have seen you know a team like paris dropping all their players in my mind paris rides out the season and then scraps their roster granted 
it's probably more forward thinking for them to do it now um, so that they can bring those other players in for the rest of the season, have them on lock for next season. The real question is, uh, you know, does this kind of force something like a players union to come up? Because it's not uh, very player forward when uh, you're dropped days before a trade deadline. And guess what? You probably don't have much of a chance of getting back into the league unless you are traded. Um, so Mag is probably, you know, the success story here, given that he's actually traded from the or, or, or his rights are transferred, as the article says, uh, from the Washington Justice over to the Boston Uprising. But in the case of all Paris players, um, Myungbong, um, Piggy, as well as, of course, we recently saw Shockwave dropped from the Vancouver Titans, uh, in, for all of them, it very likely spells the end of their careers within the Overwatch League. Um, you know, of course, teams will have uh, tryouts at you know before the uh, sixth season of the Overwatch League, but for all intents and purposes, a lot of these players are probably seeing their their Overwatch League careers uh, disappear with uh, with these cuts kind of thing happening so close to the deadline. So unfortunate for them. Uh, good for Mag. Very curious to see what happens to both Boston and Washington from here. Um, but you know what? With that, I think let's get into the results from this past weekend, uh, and we'll take a look at how some of these teams fared. I'll be watching your back out there, Fariha. Okay, so let's see what things turned out like this past weekend. I'm, of course, going to pull up the schedule, uh, and I'll also pull up my pickums so that I can see just how much I got wrong and how badly I got things wrong. So... We started the weekend off on Thursday, August 11th, with the Florida Mayhem playing the London Spitfire. And of course, Florida taking that win 3-1. I did get that one correct. However, not exactly correct. I thought it would be 3-2. I thought London would perform just a little better uh, than I think they did. I actually caught um, a fair amount of this match, just given it was on Thursday, not the weekend. I had a very busy weekend, including Friday. Uh, but I did catch most, most of this match. Um, and I really kind of expected... Uh, London to come out swinging a little bit more, a little bit harder, um, especially given their kind of rivalry brewing with Florida. Uh, that said, that's not the way it went. Florida actually uh, did did very well. I think Florida showed some of their strength um, and really kind of took London to task and beat them out 3-1. Moving on from there, in an upset win, the New York Excelsior came out on top over the Houston Outlaws with a 3-2 win. So right now on the season, or on the Summer Showdown qualifiers, the uh, Houston Outlaws sitting with 1-1, one and one, so that's 1 win, 1 loss, and the New York Excelsior right below them with 1 win, 1 loss, and just a negative 1 map differential, the only thing separating them there. So truly a very interesting one, uh, a really exciting match uh, for both teams, I'm sure. Um, but if you're a New York fan, that is one you've, you're coming away smiling because that is a big deal. Uh, that's a, that, like I said earlier in the show, Houston has been performing very well this season. Um, and, you know, does this show some of their weaknesses? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, it kind of is or has been a little typical of Houston this season. Um, it seems like their, their early match, they kind of, um, are they aren't seeming as strong as they get to be throughout the season um, or throughout the stage I should say uh, I know we saw this early on with uh, a team like uh, or a match like the one they played against the Toronto Defiant of course um, early on in the kickoff clash I believe uh, the Houston Outlaws and Toronto Defiant met 
and Houston was on a bit of a roll, having uh, brought out this Dante Doomfist that nobody could seem to counter. And then Toronto seemed to just figure it out. They came out on top. They got the win against Houston. Houston, um, and Houston dropped that match. But then after that, Houston really tightened the screws, really kind of figured it out, figured out how to counter the counterplay to the Doomfist. And after that, you saw even a team like the Toronto Defiant, who we'd already seen beat the Dante Doomfist, uh, get stomped by the Houston Outlaws. So. Um, I think this is pretty typical of Houston, and if we look further in the weekend, we will see Houston bounces back pretty quickly. But sticking with Thursday, our final match on Thursday, August 11th, was the Dallas Fuel taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators, and Dallas finally showing up, getting a 3-2 win over the Gladiators. Uh, This one, definitely a shock for me. I have previously sworn off the Dallas Fuel because I have not been impressed with them at all this past season, uh, or this season. In the previous season, we saw them start really hot in the first tournament cycle and then just kind of on a downward trajectory from there. This season uh, seems similar. They started off quite well, but I think a lot of it has been due to strength of schedule. They've beaten the teams they should beat. They've, you know, beat a few teams that were maybe a challenge, but they really haven't been performing at the same level um, as I expected them to. So I had kind of sworn off the Dallas fuel. And uh, certainly, I mean, against the Los Angeles Gladiators, I thought they would roll them. Um, I had this down as a 3-2 for the Glads, and Dallas came out on top. So good, great job for Dallas. Moving on from there, Friday, August 12th, We saw the Atlanta Rain take on the Boston Uprising and another upset win. The Boston Uprising get the win 3-1 over Atlanta. Um, And this may be indicative of Atlanta struggling a little bit with the meta um, because this was not Atlanta's only loss this past weekend. So the Boston Uprising looking good there. Oh, and actually, I I, sorry, I meant to mention, I did look it up at the Houston game. Looks like they already were playing with with Dodge, Doge, Doji, and Lep. Uh, so I don't know if they had announced that Piggy was out yet. Um, if I check the other maps, yeah, it looks like, looks like Doge and Lep were in for all the matches with the exception of the final Oasis map where Dante came out on tank instead of Doge, Dodge, Dougie. Um, so anyways, I digress. Uh, interesting stuff there. Uh, moving on though. Uh, the Atlanta Rain struggling to beat the Boston Uprising. Now, this was before the MAG transfer. Uh, that broke today. Um, but regardless, look at Boston looking pretty strong, coming out with a 3-1 win. You know, a 3-1 is no accident. It's certainly not a 3-2. So um, there you have it. Then on Friday, August 12th, another exciting match. We see the San Francisco Shock get the win over the Washington Justice in a 3-2 battle. Definitely a surprising one. Washington seeming to be coming out strong, um, you know, having some really good matches of late. They ended off the uh, uh, mid-season madness tournament cycle not making the uh, the the finals, the, the championship for the... Um, for the midseason madness, but having a really close match, if I recall, um, I don't recall who it was against, but looking really strong at the end of the the tournament cycle there. So, not surprising to see them come out swinging, um, but very surprising to see them take San Francisco to five maps. Uh, really exciting for Washington fans out there. However, who knows what'll happen now that they are magless? Because that was before the mag trade was announced. Moving on from there, our final match on Friday, August 12th, was, of course, our first Battle of Canada on the season. August 12th, that's right, we are in our, into our third tournament cycle, and we're finally seeing uh, the two Canadian teams clash. This was a 3-2 win for the Toronto Defiant. 
That's right, Vancouver took Toronto to five maps. Now, I watched this match, uh, actually most of it today, a little bit of it yesterday. Um, I did not get a chance to watch it live, so I already knew who was going to win when, when I started watching it. I took some notes but that I'm not going to go into super detail on here. Um, but what truly was shocking um, was these these glimpses of greatness that Vancouver has. Um, certainly King, uh, their new DPS, uh, now on the roster in place of Shockwave, uh, coming out strong. He definitely had some questionable pulls, probably dealing with a little bit of nerves, especially given, you know, the pressure of a battle for Canada kind of match. Um, but overall making a good impact. The Aspire deadlift continue, continues to be a dead thing, a, a dead thing, continues to be a thing. Um, Aspire looking very impressive almost all the time. And arguably, uh, the Vancouver Titans looking like a new team. They were very tough uh, for the Toronto Defiant. Now, obviously Toronto came out with the win. There were a few maps that were blowouts. Um, new Queen Street comes to mind. The Vancouver Titans absolutely dominated on that map. Um, absolutely dominated. Oasis, uh, the the final round of the, the match, was an insane back and forth match. At the very, very end, it very much came down to the wire. It could not have been any closer at the end with uh, a lot of back and forth with Vancouver really trying to push. Um to cap that final point it did go the full three rounds on oasis um and just ultimately uh i think you know toronto just getting uh, a lucky pick here and there uh that ultimately gave them the edge gave them the win and i believe he's who actually jumped in the chat at the end of that match and said uh something to the extent of vancouver's looking like a scary team so good for toronto getting the win i was happy with that result um i made a little bet over on ready set pwn uh, that Toronto was going to win, and to the the extent they would win, um, you're going to have to check out the most recent episode of Ready Set Pwn, or I guess the previous episode of Ready Set Pwn by the time you're listening to this, uh, if you want to catch that, but definitely go check that out. Moving on from there, we then go to Saturday, August 13th, where the London Spitfire, 3-0 the Boston Uprising, the Washington Justice, 3-0 the Paris Eternal, Nothing too surprising there, probably. Um, I think most people would have picked London over uh, Boston and Washington over Paris. Boston, given their recent win over Atlanta, maybe people would have changed their picks. Um, but overall, I think those two matches were, were pretty expected. Uh, Paris really seeming like they're struggling lately. Um, and like I say, Washington, you know, taking San Francisco to five maps is impressive for Washington. So no surprise they 3 owed Paris. But then the final match of Saturday was the Houston Outlaws taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators and Houston managing to take it 3-2. So again, another shocking one, another surprise win, um, another upset win, if you will. Uh, the the former champs uh, or, or the two tournament cycle champs from this season, the only team that's won any tournament cycles this season, the Los Angeles Gladiators, uh, sort of in the West at least, um, getting bested by the Houston Outlaws. Now, they actually, uh, that means the Gladiators wound up this weekend with no wins, a bit surprising, um, but overall losing to two teams that I believe they've beaten before. And uh, again, two teams that I don't think anyone, or I don't think many people would have predicted over them. 
So overall, just uh, a couple of upsets there. I, I really should go back and watch this game because um, I'm sure this one would be actually, honestly, the Dallas against Glads match would probably be really good ones to go check out again if uh, if you haven't seen them already. Moving on from there, we go to Sunday, August 14th, where we saw the Vancouver Titans get their first win on the season. That's right. Things started off Sunday with a win for the Vancouver Titans, a decisive win, a 3-0 win over the Paris Eternal. I do have to wonder if that perhaps spelled the end for the Paris Eternal as we know them. Um, if they did get the win this past weekend, uh, you know, would those players that I already talked about uh, getting the axe, would they still be around? I mean, there's a good chance these contract negotiations and whatever were already in the works, were already signed, were already finalized, um, and these players were going to be let go regardless of the outcome of this match. Um, but overall, um, exciting to see the Vancouver Titans finally pick up their first win on the season. And it was, for all intents and purposes, a bit of a blowout match. The Vancouver Titans did roll the Paris Eternal. Um, there was a sort of a glimpse of hope, a glimmer of hope, um, with the, uh, um, uh, what map was it? The per per Parisio, uh, the Lucio map. Um, you know, Vancouver had a very good first attack. Then the Paris Eternal came back and actually uh, managed a really solid push for through the first two checkpoints. Um, and then it was just that final stretch. They just could not take it all the way. Um, and unfortunately, they didn't get a map at all. I had put this match down as a 3-2 for the Vancouver Titans. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed. I didn't have more faith in the Vancouver Titans. But again, they were such an unproven quantity on the season. They have had no wins thus far. Um, so I really, truly didn't think that uh, it would be that much of a blowout. So good for Vancouver. They are looking, for all intents and purposes, great uh, in this meta and in this tournament cycle. Now, moving on from there, we, of course, I have to tap back to my other page, have the Florida Mayhem losing 3-0 to the San Francisco Shock. Nothing too surprising there. I would have I would have hoped for more out of Florida, um, especially given they were coming off a win, but a little bit disappointing there. Then the Dallas Fuel, 3-1 over the New York Excelsior. Little bit, again, a little bit surprising. I, I would have hoped that New York would put up a bit more of a fight given their recent win over Houston, um, given their seemingly maybe upward trajectory. But overall, I think that was an expected uh, outcome of that match. And then finally, the final match of the weekend, another Canadian, uh, I was going to say surprise story. Um, I mean... We have the Vancouver Titans getting their first win on the, on the season. And then we have the Toronto Defiant getting a 3-1 win over the Atlanta Reign. Now, this is a match that I actually have not had a chance to go back through and watch. Um, I rewatched, or I watched for the first time, the Toronto versus Vancouver match. Um, I rewatched, or again, for the first time, watched the Vancouver against Paris match. But I've not, I, I actually don't even think I finished the Vancouver-Paris match. I was close. Um... But because of that, I was just going in, in order. I have not had a chance to get to the Toronto versus Atlanta match. Now, I did catch a little bit of the match uh, live, but uh, I was, again, busy this weekend. So didn't catch the whole thing, and I'm hoping to go back and watch that tomorrow. But exciting stuff for the Toronto Defiant. And for us Toronto fans, of course, I am included in that. Uh, Toronto now on the regular season, sitting in sixth place with a record of 8-6. and six. Uh, just above the Atlanta Reign, actually, and the Florida Mayhem, who both have records of 7 and 7. Um, 
And then in terms of the actual summer showdown, Toronto actually sitting in second place, just behind the San Francisco Shock with a record of 2-0, Dallas Fuel in third, 2-0. But obviously, most of these teams have only played, uh, in fact, all of these teams have only played two matches, so nothing is, is decided yet. If we actually look at the standings, the Atlanta Reign are currently in 12th place with 0-2. The Los Angeles Gladiators are in 11th place with 0-2. The only team beneath them is the Paris Eternal with 0-2, but the, the largest map differential. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what this next week has in store for us. And you know what? Speaking of... Let's dive into our pickums for next week. Oh, you look tired. All right, so we're going to kick things off. That was sorry, I didn't really wrap up that last segment. That was the end of the the uh, past week's games. There were a lot of them given we started on Thursday. Um, but we also didn't have any Eastern Region matches. Now, of course, we're going to move on to uh week 2 in the Summer Showdown qualifiers, where we will, of course, have uh, Eastern Region games. So let's start things off here, uh, and we'll go through the East first, uh, all three days of the weekend, and then we'll move on to the West. So first things first, to kick things off, uh, we are going to start in the East with the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Shanghai Dragons. Now, oh man, that's, that's tough. Shanghai obviously did not look great in the Summer Showdown tournament. Uh, sorry, the Mid-Season Madness Tournament. Will they have sorted things out? I don't necessarily think so, but will they be better than the Guangzhou Charge? I will hope so. I'm going to give it to Shanghai 3-1. After that, we have the Seoul Dynasty taking on the Hangzhou Spark, which is a match for the ages. Um, Seoul obviously being a pretty disappointing turnout in the Mid-Season Madness uh, Tournament. Uh, Hangzhou going very well, going toe-to-toe with the Los Angeles Gladiators. Um, you know, Hangzhou, again, being only a couple picks away from beating out the Los Angeles Gladiators and moving on in the tournament. So I'm ultimately going to go with Hangzhou and give it to them. I'll go 3-2. I was going to go 3-1. I'll go 3-2. I'll say that's going to be a banger of a match. Moving on from there, that's your Friday games in the East. On Saturday, we have three games. We start things off with the Seoul Dynasty against the Chengdu Hunters, and I'm going to give it to Seoul 3 I'll go 3-1. I'll give uh, Chengdu one point. Then we have the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Seoul Dynasty, or the Shanghai Dragons again, sorry. I'm going to give that to Hangzhou 3-1. I think Shanghai can take a map off them. The Philadelphia Fusion then take on the Los Angeles Valiant to close out the weekend, or to close out Saturday. And I'll give the Valiant one map. I'll say it's going to be 3-1 for Philly. Finally, Sunday, August 21st, the Los Angeles Valiant take on the Guangzhou Charge. That's a tough match, a bit of a coin flip. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a 3-2 for the Valiant. Alright, I'm gonna pred the Valiant. Then the double points pickums match is the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Chengdu Hunters. I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna say that's a 3-0. Since I have not predicted a single 3-0 in the Eastern region yet, uh, for this uh whatever this week is week 16 in the Overwatch League, I will give that a 3-0. There we go. Saving my predictions. Saved. Moving on from there. Over in the West on Friday, August 19th at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, we see the New York Excelsior take on the Vancouver Titans. That's an interesting match. Given how things went this past weekend with New York really flexing um, and and getting a win and doing seemingly well, flip side of that being Vancouver in a similar boat, um, you know, taking Toronto to five maps, and then, of course, 3-0-ing. Now, granted, their win was over the Paris Eternal, the only team that is 
below them in the standings and previously was above them. Um, I'm going to say Vancouver can take this. I do think it'll be a close match. Uh, I th- I'm going to put it down as 3-2 for the Titans. I think probably the most likely outcome is a 3-2, and I think it could go either way. So I'm going to go 3-2 for the Titans because I'll, I'll stick with them. San Francisco Shock then take on the Boston Uprising. I'm going to give it to them 3-0. And the Toronto Defiant take on the Dallas Fuel. Oh, interesting. Interesting stuff. Of course, this is the two two teams tied for second place in the West, given they both got two wins this past weekend. Um, Toronto, of course, getting wins over the Atlanta Reign, a very good team, and the Vancouver Titans, a not-as-good team, but uh, potentially an up-and-coming kind of good team, I guess. <laughs> um, and, then, and then the Dallas Fuel, of course, besting the Gladiators and the New York Excelsior. So both of these, kind of a mirror schedule here, you know. Uh, Dallas beating a very, very good team, but then Dallas also beating a... Uh, less than stellar team you know a bottom team Toronto also beating a uh, less than stellar team and a very good team I would probably say beating the New York Excelsior is a little tougher than beating the Vancouver Titans and Vancouver did take Toronto to uh, a map five although you know uh, the rumors being that Vancouver is looking pretty strong in this meta I'm going to stick with my Defiant. I'm going to say it's a 3-2 map. I just hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> that could be a bit of a throwaway pick I My heart of hearts tells me Dallas is going to win, but I'm going to predict the Toronto Defiant. Moving on from there, Saturday, August 20th, sees the Outlaws taking on the Spitfire, and the Outlaws are going to win that. Uh, no doubt in my mind. Outlaws take it 3-1. Then the Los Angeles Gladiators take on the San Francisco Shock. Our double points Western region match of the weekend. San Francisco versus Glads. Wow. That is going to be a match. Holy cow. I'm going to revisit that one. That's a hard, that's a hard pick to make a hard call to make right now. After that match at 4 PM mountain time, the Florida mayhem take on the Washington justice. Uh, Washington did look good, but I'm going to go with my Florida mayhem. I'm going to say it's another 3-2, though. On Sunday, August 21st, the Dal- first, the Dallas Fuel take on the Boston Uprising, and I think Dallas takes it 3-1. Then the Atlanta Rain take on the the new Paris Eternal, seemingly. Um, I do think Atlanta takes it. I think it's a little bit of a throwaway match because Paris will be, for all intents and purposes, playing with a new team. Um, so I think Atlanta gets the obvious edge, just given that information. Um let alone the current regular season standings where Paris is now at the very bottom of the league and uh, Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is in seventh, but has is one of the only teams that's made every uh, tournament cycle thus far. So I'm going to give it to Atlanta 3-1. Then the Toronto Defiant take on the Los Angeles Gladiators. I think the Gladiators will win that. Do I have faith that Toronto can take them to five? Hmm. That's an interesting one. I'm going to leave it as 3-1. I think Toronto can take a map. I think Glads ultimately are, are the better team, though. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Glads can figure their 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 um, this meta out. I do think they can. I think they're grinding hard. I think we know they're resilient. I think they have shown... Uh, per- 
propensity for for the comeback. Um, so I do think they can win it. And you know what? I'm going to give, the, or that said, I'm going to give San Francisco the win over Glads on Saturday. No. Do I do it? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't have a good read on this right now. Gladiators struggling this past weekend. San Francisco, not so much. However, San Francisco played Washington and Florida. Gladiators played Dallas and Houston. Gladiators definitely had the tougher opponents this past weekend. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my faith in the Glads. It's going to be a 3-2, but I think the San Francisco Shock could get their first loss on the season. And I'm going to cross my fingers that that happens because if that happens, that means the Vancouver Titans of 2019, I believe, remain the regular season longest winning streak of matches. So I'm going to, I'm going to hope that that is what happens. And with that, that's my picks for week 16 in the Overwatch League. And on top of that, with that, that means it's time to move on over to the outro. Sleep! All right, well, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far in the podcast, you obviously know that I am your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And I would love it if you would reach out to me over on Twitter. You can DM me, you can tweet at me, whatever you've got. Bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries for the show. Um, anything about the Overwatch League, Overwatch, uh, Overwatch 2, of course. Uh, Blizzard in general, video games at large. I would love to talk about whatever you'd like to hear on the show. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And of course, if you leave a review, I will read it out on the next episode of this show. I also implore you to listen to the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast available on podcast services everywhere. You can actually also join the Ready, Set, Pwn uh, Discord if you'd like to interact with me and the other hosts over there um, at discord.io slash Ready, Set, Pwn, I think. Maybe that's the URL. If not, Google Ready, Set, Pwn Discord and I'm sure you'll find it. and that's that. That's going to be it for this week's episode. Thank you so much again for listening and tune in next next week to find out what else has happened in the wonderful world of roster mania um, as we rapidly approach the final days of the trade deadline. Thanks very much for listening and have yourself a great day. Youth is wasted on the young.